Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And the numbers are toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. I am surrounded by women today. Joey's not here today. Completely surrounded by women, but I have a question for you women. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold mm-hmm. up a picture right here. This is a picture of me when I was 17. And here's a picture of me now with a cat in my arms. Now, which one oh. do you think is cuter? <laughs> I see where you're going yeah. with this. Okay. Well, which one do you think is cuter? Well, you know, you've aged, so you were cuter when you were younger, but the cat kind of it levels it out. So you can't compare 17 it. with a, you know, just, yeah. Well, what about you, Dr. Debbie? What do you think? Which picture? I think naturally, no matter what the person looks like, um, and whether they're young or old, I think it's a natural thing for the human race. We we smile when we see animals. I mean, it, it's just instinctual. It's kind of like the baby thing. You know, even if you don't like babies, you see a cute little baby and you kind of smile. Mm. People see kittens, puppies. Oh, come on. L- Lori, There's some kids that are darn cute. <laughs> so, Lori, what do you think of these pictures? Um, I I thought exactly what Dr. Debbie and Judy said. Exactly. Both of them. Okay. So apparently... She might have known you when you were 17. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty damn pretty close. close. Yes. <laughs> this is uh, actually a technique that I learned in my dating years. And I would uh, borrow my next door neighbor's dog, a little puppy. They just got a brand new puppy. And I would go to the parks... And I would meet so many women. You would pretend doing this. like it was yours. And there is now research to back this all up. And Dr. Helen Fisher, she is the senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute, and she'll be joining us today to tell us all about this research. And guys, you'll want to listen up, especially you single guys. You want to listen up because there's going to be some very enlightening information coming your way on Animal Radio today. Uh, let's see, Lori, what are you working on over there? Well, there is some some new things going on out there. This this trend for cat parents. If you would like for your cat to also be maybe an indoor outdoor cat, but safely, we'll tell you how you can do it. That's on the way. First year calls. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Let's go to George. Hey George. Hello. How are you doing? Where are you calling from today? Uh, Ontario, California. Oh, okay. Just a hop and a step away. I've got the whole team here for you. What's going on? Cool. So um, I adopted a cat from a shelter, and it was about six months. It's, a, it's still a kitten. Um, and she's just very timid. We tried feeding her snacks, trying her to get her out from under the couch, and she just doesn't want to participate. So I just I, we don't know what to do. But she does play at nighttime when we're all asleep. Sleep. but other than that she just hides okay and so is she the only pet in the house she's the only pet yes okay and when you say she comes out at night is she have free run of the house um all day and she chooses to, to stay in a small area no she has the whole house um we're not home during the day um me and my husband and our daughter and but during the daytime when we do get home, she just hides. She's not, like, confined or anything. She just hides under the couch. And then at nighttime when we go to sleep, she comes out and she plays in, like, the kitchen and the living room when we're not in there. When you're not around. So she never yeah. really comes out to play or to interact with anyone in the home? 
No, not at all. Okay. Well, um, you know, it sounds like she definitely has come from a background where she may have not had a lot of human interaction. And that's part of the challenge, you know, when we have kitties that are previously feral cats or they just um, haven't really had a lot of close human interaction. They're not accustomed to it. They don't feel comfortable with that level of um, contact and exchange. So um, it's a matter of building trust and um making your presence become something that's of value to her, something that she is going to want to be around. Um, so for any new kitty to the home, but especially a kitty who is maybe a bit fearful and hiding, it is helpful to keep their world a bit small. Um, and this is for a couple of reasons. Um, we don't want to you know, ever chase and kind of hunt down or try to catch and grab a cat that has this kind of fearful behavior because you're actually not building trust. You're actually kind of pushing the kitty too far. So by keeping a kitty in a smaller area, they get more comfortable with their environment. And it also gives you the opportunity to do some select training with her. And um, that's going to be getting her acclimated to your presence. And that's generally done with food. Um, Cats aren't real motivated by a lot of toys and other objects. So, you know, we use food as our friend when kitties are um, uncomfortable with something. And so instead of having the open bowl philosophy of leaving that food for her, um, I would not leave food out during the day. And I would actually use that as a way for her to associate something positive with a human presence. Um, I'd pull out canned food, the stinky stuff. And, you know, at first, you know, I would make make keep her in a maybe a large bedroom or part of the house where, you know, it's going to be quiet from general traffic. There's not going to be a lot of ins and outs, a lot of thing going on um, where she'll become startled. Um, and really put the food down, build some trust. Um, it may be that you put the food down and she doesn't come out. Um, but you might be able to stand nearby without her being upset, um, without her looking fearful, and she may eat the food in your presence, and that is a win, and you take that as a win, and you build upon that. If she's not comfortable with you being in the room, won't come out and eat, then you know, just leave a little bit of canned food, and then the next time you come in, um, you do the same kind of thing. And so you build that relationship and that trust that you're going to be the provider of good food. Um, and I really don't leave food out in the situations when we're trying to work on this this relationship. Relationship. I have like a like we had like a big like cage for her, but I kind of felt bad putting her in the cage. Is would that be because like like you said, she's not really she's hidden, so she's not really seeing us and like interacting with us. So we're mm-hmm. thinking maybe if we put her in that big you know cage, maybe she'll see us and get used to us. If, if she's got enough hiding places. So cats really, for them to feel comfortable in their world, they tend to do a couple things. They, they hide inside of things and they climb upwards. And um, vertical height gives them security socially. So um, cats love, you know, it's one reason they love trees, uh, little cat trees, is because they get up high and they're like, ah, I feel safe, I feel comfortable. So I'm okay with doing a cage training for at least the beginning, but the kitty has to feel like she can retreat to a quiet corner um, or a quiet place where she will not be disturbed disturbed in that kennel. So um, just make sure that you do accommodate that, whether it's a little hide house, um, you know, a little, um, I'm trying to think of those little cute things that look like shells um, that they crawl into. Um, but yeah, that, that would be one way that you can work on that. And then the other things that I do like to use, um, I am a believer in the pheromones, which are the kind of non-smelly um, scent hormones that um, can have a calming effect on cats. And uh, for kitties, for training in this kind of situation, 
situation, I would use the diffusers, which kind of look like the air room fresheners, and you plug those into an area, and they'd usually treat about 500 square foot. Um, okay. It's not something that's going to sedate your kitty, but it just kind of helps to uh, release this hormone that um, gives a kind of calming effect uh, to the cat, and it's something they remember from when they were kittens. Um, so that you use that to your advantage as well to try to help kind of build a kind of quiet haven um, where you can have positive interactions with her. If you don't have other animals, dogs, cats, great. That's all really important. But anyone in the home, especially, you know, children, we want to make sure that um, we try to limit the things that are going to trouble her <laughs> as you're trying to get her to trust humans more and more. And, and you know, it'll come. Some cats, there's different expectations. You know, there are some cats that we won't get them to be super affectionate, sitting on your lap, coming for pettings. Um, and then there are cats that will just take a little time, and they'll get there. It's, it yes, sounds like you, you definitely have her best interest in heart when you're for this yeah, call. Yeah, it's been like almost, almost a month and a half, and she still does that. And she's very timid, just very afraid. And then I, um, we do sometimes, like, grab her, like you say we shouldn't be. Um, mm-hmm. But we do. And then after that, she lets us rub her. After she kind of calms down, she lets us rub her and pet her. And then she even purrs. But then right when she sees an opening to leave, she runs away. Yeah. And see, cats so. have, um, and I know we talk about this in Fear Free, but cats also, you know, there's cats that when they object that will bite, scratch, and act angry. There's other cats mm-hmm. that do a freeze response when they're terrified. And just because they're not putting up a fuss doesn't mean they're not uncomfortable with the situation. So that's one reason why I say, you know, you know, don't don't go against what, you know, kitty is tolerant, uh, tolerating. Okay. Um, so, yeah, give her time. Okay. All right, so then I'm going to try the food thing because I noticed I felt like we just put the food out and then we don't ever see her eat, but the food's gone and she's Mm -hmm. going restroom. So we know she's eating, but she's just not interacting with us whatsoever. She just runs away. Yeah. I I have a lot of people that say, what do you mean I'm going to starve my cat? No, you're not going to starve the kitty, (laughs) but um, (laughs) you're going to make sure that she associates that food is with you and, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, if you can still be around when she comes out and eats the food, that's that's a great thing. Um, that, that says okay. that she's comfortable enough to eat the food while you're kind of in the visual presence of her. That's super. Right. So. Okay. All right, then. Um, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> good luck, well, good on luck that, George. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm a little nervous, but we'll, we'll see what happens. She's going to love us one way or another. Oh, I bet, he, I bet he will. Is it a she or a he? It's a she. And what's her name? Her name's Winifred. She's a black cat. Winifred the black. Well, give her a big old hug from all of us, will you? No. Uh, no well, wait, wait on that hug. <laughs> Dr. Yes, Debbie said no, no, no. <laughs> thanks for calling. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Well, don't you know this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Why is Tater so worried? Um, Probably because I, I carry treats with me all the time. Yeah. Because Lord knows when you're going to you need never them. know when you're going to need one of those. Right. I have to I have to actually lure the bulldogs outside with a treat. They Otherwise, they're just like, why would I want to move? <laughs> 
So, you know, I have treats in my pockets, and I, I think that's what's really getting to him. He knows they're there. And he has no fear of me. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. We're all crazy about our pets around here. We love them. We know that our spouses, our partners, they love our pets too. And if they They didn't, yeah, that's exactly it. If they didn't... (laughs) We probably wouldn't be with him. I wouldn't be with my wife if. What about you, Judy? Nope. What about you, Lori? It's is that yeah, a make uh-uh. or break deal? And it would just be weird because I love them so much. Yeah. Mm. Well, this is this is pretty common. Uh, Dr. Helen Fisher, she's an anthropologist at the Kinsey Institute, and she says they study sex too, don't they? They they, they at the Kinsey Institute. Yes. Yes. They're the ones who study sex. I was unaware of that. Not in animals, but in people. In people. Well, she's actually going to come on and talk about something like that. She says that dogs are a chick magnet. (laughs) That if you're looking to meet a meet a chick, and this is what she says, but she's actually using these these terms. She says if you want to meet a lady, a fine lady, bring a dog with you because it makes you look like you're responsible, that you're a good parent, that you're a good friend. We'll find mm. out more in just a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I I seem to attract um, older men over 70 with white hair when they see my dogs. So <laughs> I don't know that I want that kind of attraction for like my romantic life. You it, know. it may not work both ways. And we'll ask her about that coming up here on Animal Radio. Uh, we're also going to take your calls. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie. Joey is out today. Uh, Lori, what are you working on in the newsroom? We're about 10 minutes away from our news break, by the way. I got a, a shocking story. I was really, I was disturbed after I read this. I'm going to share it with you about a, a pet store that's a, a national chain store, really, that has been investigated and the investigation continues for animal cruelty. This is a major store called to the mat for animal cruelty, right? This is not like just Joe's. Pets a national chain pet store. Yes. National oh. chain. Okay, that's on the way. Wow. Stick around to find out. And let's see. We have Steve on the phone for Dr. Debbie. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. What's up? Um, I have a Karen Carrier. We drive a truck. So he's a truck dog. He's been great in the truck. One thing that's worrying us is he doesn't seem to want to eat. Um, and I don't know at what point I really have to worry about it because you're cutting out, Steve. You're cutting out, but your your Karen Terrier doesn't like to eat or is having eating problems, correct? Right. Okay. What do you think, Doc? And I didn't catch how how old is the doggy? He's about he's eight or nine months. Oh, okay. And is there any other kind of health problem going on along with that? 
Uh, he's had a little bit of diarrhea, and he threw up once, but that was a couple of days ago. But he's, he, like, even, he did used to really like canned food when we gave it to him, and he would gobble that right up. And now he's not even eating that. Well, I think the the first thing that I would look at, if, if we're having digestive problems, uh, vomiting and diarrhea on a regular basis, that may be something we want to address. Uh, get a stool sample to the veterinarian, check this baby for parasites. We're at an opportune age with young pups where those kind of things can cause uh, other symptoms in the body. Now, when you said a couple things kind of just jumped out and some lights went on in my head, and I don't think it was the migraine I was having, <laughs> um, was that um, you said that he's a Karen Terrier, and he's a young guy, and he's not eating well. So, right. a couple of a couple of those things really make me wonder about the possibility of something called a liver shunt or a hepatic shunt. Um, and actually, very commonly in small breeds, toy breeds of dogs, if we have a young dog that just doesn't eat well, isn't a hearty eater, just turns their nose up at food from time to time. And if there's not a lot of other symptoms, we really look at investigating these liver shunts. And basically what that is, it's a type of an abnormal vessel connection in the liver. And it can um, actually cause some problems where they can't detoxify their body. And some of the symptoms of that can be, you know, a little vague. Um, You know, we see a lower appetite. They can be a little depressed mentally, some diarrhea from time to time, behavior changes. Some doggies will be a little smaller stature than they normally should be. Um, So I I would say that would be something I would get your baby to the vet. I would typically get a stool sample, check for parasites, but we may need to do some specialized testing um, with some lab work to check out something like a shunt. Because believe it or not, Cairn Terriers are one of the top breeds where we can see this problem. Also see it in Maltese's and Yorkshire Terriers as a very uh, uh, highly represented um, so I think I would definitely move in that ad, uh, in that direction um, and uh, wouldn't play around with diets, switching things out around a whole lot. I, I think we need to get this baby to the vet and get her checked, him checked out. Okay, Steve, hopefully you heard that on the radio there. Uh, get the get the dog to the vet, have him checked out. It looks like there may be more going on. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with our Dream Team. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A woman who took her family to visit the Maritime Aquarium in Norwalk, Connecticut, has filed a claim against the city because her one-year-old son stepped in dog feces outside the Maritime Garage. Kelly DeBrocky seeks $100 to cover her son's $54 shoes she bought at StrideRite and $50 to cover the money she spent at the aquarium. Quoted in the Stanford Advocate, DeBrocky said, The incident ruined the child's shoes and the entire outing. I was just really skeeved. I thought the whole thing was disgusting. City attorney and dog owner M. Jeffrey Speyer has denied the claim, although he doesn't deny the incident probably happened. He said he often had the same thing happen while mowing his grass, and he didn't think it should have ruined the whole outing. The city's official response? Poop happens. He added that if anyone should be able to understand that, you'd think it would be the mother of a one-year-old. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. 
In today's automotive news, Subaru introduces an all-new 2019 Forester, the roomiest and most capable Forester ever made. It will come with facial recognition technology called the Driver Focus that identifies signs of driver fatigue or distraction. The new Forester will have Subaru's famous symmetrical all-wheel drive. It will have lots of space and more features than any Forester to date with a large cargo area. Look for it at dealers later this year. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. My Chrysler Pacifica is totally loaded. It has stow-and-go seating, the available Uconnect theater, and listen to these speakers. Hey, Mom, what was that song? Huh? What song? Chrysler Pacifica. It's loaded with attitude. Chrysler is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Police and animal care and control officers in Bellevue, Tennessee, recently raided a national pet store chain location after they got a tip and some pictures concerning animal cruelty. Now, that tip came from an employee at the store. So after stopping by the PetSmart for a look themselves, officers took away six rodents, including hamsters, mice, and a guinea pig. The city's animal control director says, you know, these small animals, whether they're reptiles, fish, hamsters, guinea pigs, whatever, they suffer the same as cats and dogs. So now the district attorney's office will have to decide whether any charges will be filed. PetSmart, though, has released a statement saying, we are always committed to putting the needs of the pets in our care first, and we empower our store associates to do what's right for all pets, which includes instruction to have any sick animal immediately seen by a veterinarian if needed. And there's a a new museum in our world. It's uh, dedicated to the dachshund. Yep. Yep. Germany, (laughs) short-legged, (laughs) long-bodied. I call them wiener dogs. Um, But over there, they call them sausage dogs. Uh, But it just opened this month, and they've got more than 2,000 doxy exhibits. Two former owners of the dogs, well, they're still owners, but they are former florists, so creative types. They gave up their jobs to open this museum, which they say is the world's first. They built it with uh, nothing from nothing in only three months, and it's already open. And now, like I said, in the U.S., we tend to call them wiener dogs, but in Germany, they're known as sausage dogs. And, and it's one of the country's oldest breeds, and sausage dogs or doxies, dachshunds, can be long or short, and did you know they can even be wiry-haired? Yeah, I've seen one of those. Freaked me out when I saw that. <laughs> I thought they were I've cute. only seen one of them, too, and it was, it was. I just wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but, you know, dog yeah. breeds, you know, just about anything. Now, I understand dachshunds are the biggest biters. Is that, that yeah, they that, are. that is correct. They yeah, bite they... more people than any other breed. The reason people don't know about it is because they don't inflict that much damage because ah. they're so little. They're just little ankle biters. Little, and they really are. But yeah. they're so cute. I got to tell you, I just love a dachshund like nobody's business. <laughs> I know. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Let's go to Tony. Hey, Tony. Yes, sir. I have an Egyptian Mal kitty cat. He's 14 months old. And he puts me to shame. He is more intelligent than about 85% of the people who I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that would have to be typical for the Mal's. They are very bright and very inquisitive. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's got an M on his forehead. We thought for about six months he was a Mancoon, but this boy has got real short, pretty, beautiful hair. And he's black and gray. He's got mm-hmm. four white feet, a brown nose, an M on his forehead, and a white chest. Now, and a long tail. Now, am I describing Egyptian male? Well, not necessarily. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, we know that the Mao has a very prominent M on their forehead, but that's not just exclusive for just that breed. So really any okay. cat that has a tabby coat pattern, and, and tabby isn't a breed, so it's just kind of a coloration, but uh-huh. any cat that is a tabby can have that M, and, and it's kind of uh, just a, a distinctive thing. But I think in the Maos, you really see it's kind of stick out a little bit more. Well, how in the so, world did I get an Egyptian mouth out of a shoebox? Well, I'm, I'm going to be a little skeptical because it is a breed that is, one, it's expensive, and there's not terribly many of the registered ones. So you may have maybe a mixed breed kitty that has some characteristics like that. Now, you know, the mouths kind of look like some of those other cats, like the Ossicats, the Abyssinians, so where they have the kind of a spotted hair coat. Um, so that's a little bit more distinctive. If he's got white feet, I'd kind of wonder whether or not he really is a mouth because um, that isn't something typical for these guys. Okay, uh, I think, now this happened 14 months ago, I got him out of a shoebox, Now he had two siblings, and they were just white. Would that mean that he he's just a, a cast-off? Well, like I said, I think I think you're probably dealing with a kitty that's of a tabby variation, and he's got that M, but it doesn't sound to me like he's he's probably a, a full-bred Mao, unless he's hanging well, out with uh, brothers and sisters that are from another mother. <laughs> well, you look him up, if you will, after we you know cease to this phone call. Look up Egyptian Mao on, on your whatever iPad, iPod, BlackBerry, Cherry, whatever you got, and his picture will come up on that. A church friend of my church brother, we looked it up about four months ago, and he he just threw out the word mancoon. I've never seen a mancoon, and, and I don't care if I ever see one. But this guy said, no, according to the Internet, you've got an Egyptian mouth. We assume that, you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, well, but, you know, it sounds like he's got a great personality, so I'm going to say, what the I, heck? I it doesn't what, matter what kind of cat he is. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm not a cat connoisseur, but this guy has made a very – unusual person of me he i can say let's load up and go he'll jump in my vehicle and he puts his little foot paw on my shoulder when i drive to let me know he's there if i need him and at five weeks old he knew how to uh, you know litter box he was trained and he's only about five inches long when i got him and i'm just enamored if that's a correct you know appropriate word to use this little guy is just he is so special he weighs 14 pounds and he's 14 months is that the way they grow Egyptian mouths? Do you know, or is that is that about the normal growth? I mean, yeah, and again, it's not exclusive to that breed. Um, you know, you were mentioning things like the um, Maine Coon, which typically are quite large cats, so usually they're pushing up 15 to 20 pounds more likely in a healthy body weight. They got long hair, don't they? This guy's got short hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maine Coons have long hair. Um, uh, as far as sh- there's a domestic short hair, which is short in hair, um, the Maud typically has short hair too, as well. Yeah. Well, since he was born and since he started traveling with me every day, seven days a week, people who see him want him. They want to touch him. They want to take him home and babysit him for a night. They want to take him home on the weekends. They bring him food. A lady brought him a Christmas present last year. You know, a pound of food, whatever. And he is just enthralled to everybody who sees him. Mm-hmm. 
That's the reason. And I, like I say, I'm not a, a purveyor or connoisseur of kitty cats, but I do love this little guy. Well, and yeah. he is just, and I think. And, oh, and that's ahead. the thing is that there's a lot of cats out there that really turn people that never thought that they were cat people. And you meet yeah. the right one and it yeah. just yeah. changes your life. So um, I think we're all very fortunate if we make that encounter with a cat that uh, really well, touches us in that way. Is there one stipulation way that I could, in my own little finite mind, determine that he was a, a, a Egyptian male? Yeah, and um, I believe in at UC Davis, out by us, uh, one of the vet schools, you can do uh-huh. genetic testing on cats, and I'm pretty sure that they can do um, a lot of different breed identification there. Um, I'd have to check their list to see, but I think they, they do a good amount of those. Let um, me ask you a question. This is not, you know, uh, off the wall, off the cuff. If I have him snipped, is there any way they can save his future generation for me, or is, is, is that uncommon to do, because... I don't want him to, you know, he's never seen but one other kitty cat in his young little life. And uh-huh. people want me to, they want to, they say, why don't you mate him up to, a, you know, I said, no, unless it's an Egyptian male cat, I'm not going to do that to him. And I just want, yeah. can you, can you save his pet? You know, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Well, there's there's different ways that you can save um, for the future. Um, yeah, the the yeah, problem yeah, with yeah, cats yeah. is if we have to collect semen, you have to collect that from a cat, and that's uh, uh, probably not real routine. Um, now, if we're talking about something like cloning, uh, that would be a different thing about uh, you know taking a sample and uh, okay, cloning yeah. for the future. Well, so I that might be the place to bank uh, bank tissue for that. Yeah, I mean, unless he is a real Egyptian male, you know, but he look he's his personality, you know, he's got an above cat personality, and I don't know if I'm making him do. I don't know if I'm making him do the things he's doing. I mean, <laughs> he just catches on. He's 14 months old. He's 14 pounds, and he can climb a tree, and he'll come down if I call him. You know, most cats will not come down. This little mm-hmm. guy, he'll come down if I say, "Let's load up. We got to go for a ride." He's ready to go in the truck. He, you know, like I say, he, he came into my life at, at five weeks. He knew how to. You know, eat. He knew how to litter box, and and you know, for me, that was he was just already ready. You know, he was a cat. Well, <laughs> now you 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 said you found him in a shoe box. Where'd you find that shoe had, box? Yeah, lady had him, but it was only five inches long. She had him and two siblings, and they were Snow White, and she was giving them away. And I said, "Well, what about this little black one?" And she said, "Well, he's a little bit frisky." She said, you might want to take one of the white ones. And so I conjured it, pondered it in my little mind, and I said, well, let me take the black one. And, boy, I don't regret it. Oh, this is that's such a great story. It, it, look at the hair on my back. It's standing up just from that yeah. story. I saved his little life, no doubt. You, you certainly did. And he's enriched and yours. Much, this little guy, I'm a, I'm a single person. I don't have a family. This little guy has really been an inspiration, you know, a reason to get up every morning and look. I'll, I'll hold his little face, you know, right up to mine and talk to him like you would a little baby. And, and he listens, you know, he, he does his own thing, but he does listen to me. Oh, wow. What a great story. Well, Tony, thank you so much for calling today. And don't forget, you call anytime you want, okay? Thank you, sir. I surely do appreciate it. Take care. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team.
Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Crystal. How are you? Good, Crystal. Where are you calling from? Um, I live in Chattanooga, but I'm on my boyfriend is a truck driver, and we're in Illinois right now. Ooh, you, you got a boyfriend that'll take you all across the country, huh? Everywhere. Yes. You travel. It's fabulous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you are on with Dr. Debbie. I, I have a quick question for you. I have two... Um, two cats they're about four years old they are they're long-haired and they are mancoons so they're very big cats from what i've been told mancoons are pretty large yeah um, they're, they're a good-sized kitty yeah <laughs> and um about a year and a half ago about a year ago i had taken both of them to the vet and my boy his name is tigger he was just under 20 pounds and the vet said that he was um could stand to lose a pound or two, but was not scarcely overweight. Okay. Um, here, I have not taken to the vet this year, but I'm sure he's probably about 23 pounds, maybe. So and uh, climbing that keeps, scale up. <laughs> he, he just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I, I tried to cut his food down at one time. I've, I've been on the road with my boyfriend the last couple of weeks, so I've been leaving food out for them. He just he just eats it all up real fast as soon as he can. And I don't know what I what should I do. <laughs> I need to get him to lose weight and stop this. He eats way yeah. too fast. Yeah, so they, they're on automatic feeding or you just leave a bowl out? No, it's, well, it, it's called a self-feeder, but you just fill it up and whenever they eat whatever's in the bowl, more comes out. It's not set okay. on a time or anything like that. Okay. Well, um, for those that don't know, a, a Maine Coon cat is kind of like the sumo wrestler of the cat world. They are big. Um, they're big-bodied, but they don't necessarily have to be fat. Um, and, and I see some challenges that you have in your living situation for Tigger. And the honest truth is that more cats get fat on a free-choice dry food than on anything else. So that is going to be one big limitation for you. Um canned food, and, and this is where veterinarians kind of back up and say, I know I told you not to feed canned food, but I'm telling you to feed it now. Um, <laughs> canned food can actually be um, more helpful when we're managing weight problems in cats, and it's because that they don't have, um, their appetite centers don't seem to kind of go haywire with that. With dry food, they kind of graze, and they eat, and they eat, and they eat, and they're trying to fill themselves up on the carbohydrates and the protein, and in canned food, there's generally more protein, and, and that's kind of where I like to go with kitties that have weight problems. I go kind of on what they call the Catkins diet, <laughs> where, we're, where we're not limiting carbohydrates, but rather we're increasing protein and then that's the focus um, so there are some dry foods out there that um, are more geared that way um, I believe Innova has a dry food um, so if you're looking for one kind of leading that way and you can't go to the canned varieties and I'm not just talking about giving like 
fancy feast or other canned right. foods. Um, if we're really dealing with a weight issue, then I would talk to your veterinarian about a weight loss diet that is kind of catkins friendly. And they'll know the ones. There's, you know, Purina has one called OM, uh, Hills has one MD. Um, but those kind of follow that philosophy for cats because they really are carnivores and we have to keep that in mind. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, the other thing is, you know, indoor cats are safe from a lot of things outside, but they don't always get the most activity. And that's, I'd look for ways right. that we can enrich that and find some challenging ways to um, increase their activity level. So I don't know if, if you have tried anything along that route so far. Yeah, I try to get them toys, but they, they break them pretty fast. So I go through their toys pretty fast. <laughs> but um, yeah. I have tried to play with them a little more, especially here recently since it's, it's quite noticeable that he's gained some weight in the last couple months. Yeah, and if you're around, um, one good way is to, to kind of, instead of leaving food out, is to have like little mini meals through the day where you can either hide the food or put it in a toy and kind of make them work for that rather than have them just sit down in front of the food bowl and say, feed me, Mom. <laughs> and then for activity and toys, it, we know we can't get cats on treadmills, so that's forget right. that. <laughs> but a lot of people have success with things like laser pointers. Um, and yeah. using that as a way to get them out and get them active. Um, cat dancers and little feather toys where you kind of swing it around and get them moving, those are all really good things as well. Um, and then if you have a cat that you're fortunate that likes to retrieve or to bat a ball around, that too is, you know, wait, little ways we can get that activity level up because it's the same formula <laughs> for dogs and cats as it is for people. Okay. Restrict the yeah, calories. I think I like the laser thing. I've had a laser before, and they both liked it. Uh, Emma likes balls. Tigger doesn't really. So, yeah, just find more and, things to play with. <laughs> yeah, and find definitely things that you know that will work for your kitty. And um, you know, it takes time. And we really, when we're talking about trying to lose weight in cats, we really want to keep in mind we don't want them to not eat anything because there can be some very dangerous liver problems that happen if cats stop eating completely. So we're not talking about tough love with food in cats. We just want to try to trick them into eating the way we want them to eat. So that okay. is very important. Will the canned food help him slow down eating? For some cats, yeah. Um, and the, the canned foods um, in general, um, when I'm talking about canned foods, I'm talking about these weight loss diets. So right. um, that's that's what we're focusing on. But um, they generally don't have that same tendency to kind of go overboard as okay. well as they can. you can control the feeding times if you feed out um, once in the morning, once in the evening, maybe a mini meal in the day. Just keep in mind the daily amount that you have to feed. And if you talk to your veterinarian about uh, how much to feed, um, a lot of vets will just say follow the instructions on the bag or on the container. And I've been guilty of that because sometimes you're busy and it's hard to do. But we really want to ask your veterinary professional to calculate your pet's calorie needs because that's very important. Some pets are very active, some are not. Calculate their calorie needs and then figure out how much is in the food that you're feeding because um, every food's different. And we don't want to just assume, you know, half a cup or a quarter a can is going to be enough or what have you. So okay. make your vet do the work. <laughs> All right, great. Thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure, Crystal, and thank you for the call. I know a lot of people are out there battling the battle of the bulge with their cats and dogs, and, you know, it takes hard work. Stick with it, and uh, you can get through it. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. 
To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Judy, quick question for you. I'm going to hold up a calendar here. This is the calendar. This is actually the 2018 Fireman with Kitties calendar. Show that to you there. There's, oh. there's actually yeah. a shot that shows all 12 months yeah. there for you. Okay. And then, hold on. Here's one. With policemen and dogs, police. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Both are both are nice, but uh, but I'm going for the kittens. What the kittens? The kittens. Yes. You like guys with kittens. I huh? like guys with kittens. Yeah, See, I'm going to go for lie. the guys with the dogs. I, you know, I think they're going to be more outdoorsy, maybe you know more willing to include their dog in the activities. So. See, I think a guy with a kitten is more sensitive, more caring, more nurturing. I would have to wait and see, like, how they, they approach their animal. You know, I mean, it, it's How they like, treat their it, animal? Oh, yeah, exactly. Because you think that might be how they're going to treat you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they were terrible to the animal, they, I think that it's, it's definitely parallel. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Dr. Helen Fisher. She works at the Kinsey Institute, or she teaches over there. She actually does research over there. And I, I just found out the Kinsey Institute... They study sex? Yeah, they had like some huge uh, sex uh, gender reproduction studies in the past. I don't know if they still do that, but yeah, that's, they're on the forefront of all the kind of probing relationship type stuff. Well, she did some research with about 1,200 Match.com participants, and she found out some interesting facts. You'll find those out coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Toll free, one 405 Lori, save me. What do we have news-wise coming up? Well, there's a new survey ad I want to share with you. It's on should landlords um, be forced to rent to people who have pets? Should they be forced to do that? Yeah. Boy. Yeah. You know, should it be the law where they have to? See, I'm, and you know how difficult it is to find rentals if you have pets. So, yeah. You know what, though? I'm a pet lover. I have pets in my house, but if I was a landlord, nope, no pets allowed. That wouldn't happen. Okay. Just because I, I'll I know share what, this with you. Okay. I think that they sh- that a landlord should have the option. They should be able to say yes or no. They shouldn't be forced into that. I don't free think choice. That's free choice, yes. If they've got a really nice home and they're worried about it, they've had damage from animals in the past, then I don't think they should be required to. Yeah, sure. If they were required to, you would see the rents go up. You would see deposits go up because mm-hmm. basically like the rental that I'm in right now, after I move out, they have to raise the house, pretty much. Yeah. It's a teardown. It's no. a teardown, yeah. So, uh, let's see. All the phones seem to be ringing. Let's eeny, meeny, miny, miny. Let's go to two. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for taking my call. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Los Angeles. You guys are having way too much fun out there. Yeah, we, we are. <laughs> so, what, uh, what do you got going on? I understand you want to talk to Dr. Debbie. And I was listening to your program being broadcast early this morning in Los Angeles, and there was a lady that spoke about a German shepherd and how he was distempered in his rear hind legs, and he had some spinal condition. I also, too, own a German shepherd. He's a vibrant fellow. He's three years old. His name is King. And uh, I know that in the future, I'm going to have to anticipate some type of 
behind father, Mike, because that's what they're typical for. I, I, I didn't hear. I didn't hear you. Anticipate what? The German Shepherd experienced some, some problems with his hind legs because they're known for having problems yeah. with their hind legs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so my question was: Is knowing that that's going to come in the future, is there some form of insurance that you can purchase for your dog for medical situations? Because having to take them to the vet gets very expensive, and just to have mm-hmm. to outright pay that kind of cash. It's very expensive, and I want to give the best care to my animal that I can. I just always, I can't afford it because they're so expensive at the veterinarian now. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It's great that you're thinking ahead because you know, a lot of people don't anticipate those big bills when they come up. And, you know, there's a lot of great advances we have in veterinary medicine, but they come at a cost. And, um, right. you know, a lot, of, a lot of these things can be price prohibitive um, if you're not ready for them. So right. with, with any breed of dog, my recommendation is I do recommend pet insurance, and I prefer to get a, a dog or cat into that when they're young preferably as a puppy or a kitten, because number one, your rates are going to be the lowest then, and also you haven't set any kind of patterns of pre-existing conditions, um, because once your dog, say, has a problem with allergies or ear infections, that's already documented in the medical record, and those may not be covered if you sign up for insurance later. So the best advice is get into insurance early. Um, and then your question about some of these big problems in shepherds, like hip dysplasia, um, you have to be cautious because if you are hoping to have that kind of insurance help you for a specific condition, you really need to check the pet insurance carefully. Um, there are different exclusions for both hereditary conditions and pre-existing conditions. So if, for example, you were to tell me you went to the vet down the street and they told you your dog has hip dysplasia right now, and then you try to get an insurance policy after the fact, it's very possible that a company might not cover it at all. Wow. So some conditions, if they're treatable, they will, even if it's pre-existing and it's been noted before, they may cover it. But it depends on the company. It depends on the condition. Um, so it's something I'd have a hard time telling you, blanket, which one to go with. Mm. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind with some of these different um, pure breed diseases, and, and hip dysplasia is very common in German shepherds, is that that has a, a hereditary base. So it is passed on from generation to generation. So they may have an exclusion based on that oh. as well. So what I recommend, you can do this stuff online. It's it's very easy. You go to the different insurance, uh, pet insurance um, websites, and you can go through and ask for a free quote. And um, it's very easy. You get a little annoying email after the fact, but you can always unsubscribe if you don't want that. <laughs> um, but it's a really good way to kind of price compare. And then once something is looking like it's in your budget, I do suggest to get someone on the horn and ask add those specific questions. So what are the treatment options when a dog has hip dysplasia? Well, it depends on how severe things are. Um, if we can diagnose it in a young dog, generally under a year to year and a half, then there's some surgeries that can be done to help prevent the development of kind of end-stage arthritis. Um, so that may be something that you know be very beneficial to diagnose in a young dog. And that's one reason why for me, large breed dogs, when they go under for a spay or neuter, I'm taking hip x-rays on them because I want to know what they're starting off with and if we need to intervene in the next uh, 6 to 12 months. In an older pet, if they've got a lot of more established arthritis, we might be doing some different surgeries, um, such as we can do a hip replacement. Um, that's usually kind wow. of for the really knobby, horrible-looking hip. 
Um, but short of that, there's other kind of palliative surgeries where we can remove the the, the ball of the hip socket, um, and that helps to remove some of the abrasive uh, contact that we have with uh, hip dysplasia. So it really depends on the pet, where we fit into that whole scheme of things. Going back to the insurance, uh, are premiums based, and I know you're not an insurance representative, but you do take several insurances uh, down at your practice. Do they usually charge a higher premium for animals that might be predisposed to sort of, you know, the luxating patella or these? uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. They do. In certain breeds, like, you know, for instance, the English Bulldog, a fabulous breed, but uh, they're a veterinarian's good friend. (laughs) They're in all the time. So um, as a breed, yes, you're going to find a higher rate. And that's why when you get these quotes that you're putting through, they're going to ask you what breed, what age, and not only that, but where you live in the country. Because how a veterinarian practices in uh, Los Angeles or Las Vegas might be very different than a remote part in Arkansas. So the cost of the veterinary care may be different regionally. So they're going to kind of uh, base that on your region there. Let me tell you what uh, we've done here. Um, personally, this is me. Not, I'm not talking for Animal Radio, but I priced the insurance, and then I decided to take a certain portion out of my paycheck every month. Instead of paying the insurance company, I put it into an interest-bearing savings account. This is a savings account specifically for medical emergencies for my animals, and I'll let that grow, and I'll collect interest on that. And uh, then I don't have to really worry about any kind of pre-existing conditions. I don't have to worry. Well, you know what, Hal? That, that'll only get you so far. So let's say I have a perfect example. I okay. have a client who had a, a Labrador puppy that needed a intestinal surgery because he ate something. Yeah. So um, we had that surgery done, and then uh, she got some insurance. She let it lapse. And wouldn't you believe it or not, he needed another procedure, another emergency surgery yeah. just less than six months later. So if you're counting on savings, it can really get wiped up quickly by multiple events and something like uh, say a hip surgery you know you're looking for a large breed dog minimum twenty five hundred dollars for some hip procedures some will be upwards you know hip replacement can be a heck of a lot more than that so you know what you you can gamble that way but just i advise caution because you know you're limited with what you can select down the road yeah. Well, you, you can decide. Go get your quotes and find out how much it costs for your premiums. And then, you, of course, it depends on uh, how much you make and your your salary and how often you get paid if you want to put some away. Uh, either way, I think both are good ideas. And I, I know that I don't want you – here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to pay for the insurance, get into a situation, and then the insurance claim be denied for one reason or another. Oh, yeah, that's so true. And you really, that's where people need to ask questions, find out what it covers and what it doesn't. And and that's really, um, I I hate for people to buy insurance and just do it blindly. You need to know what you're getting. Well, listen, I certainly thank you for your advice. I think I'm going to try both situations. I'm going to start saving a little bit, and then I'm going to also look at those quotes, too. Kevin, thank you for listening to Animal Radio. Please tell a friend. I will. You guys are doing an excellent job. Thank you very much. Calling from Los Angeles today, that is uh, Kevin. Shall we all bow? There you go. I, I bow for each and every listener. I love each and every... I'm giving all of you a big sloppy kiss. No tongues. Hmm? What? I can't do that? I'm sorry. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. You smell like a pig. You might not be able to say that much longer. Purdue University scientists are trying to determine why pigs smell so much and how they can make it stop.
Their research is in response to growing pressure from federal regulators, environmentalists, and rural residents sick of the stench. Linda and Perry Trader's Indiana backyard is so stinky from a nearby hog farm, they have to stay inside, never using their swimming pool. Scientists are attacking the stink where it starts. Hogs are fed experimental feeds to help change the strong sulfur and ammonia smells they leave behind. And the research is promising. Scientists say that pig farms won't ever smell great, just maybe more like cattle farms. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Who let the dogs out? You know, when my wife calls me a dog, at first I I was offended. I thought that was like a derogatory statement. I thought she was I thought it was negative, frankly. But now that I think about it, dogs are so cool. They're, I, it's actually a compliment. I'm pretty sure that it's a compliment to be yeah, called a dog. I'm pretty sure she didn't mean it as a compliment, Hal. Well, listen up. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Dr. Helen Fisher. She says, guys, bring a dog with you to the park and you will meet ladies. This is the way to meet ladies. Uh, we'll talk to Dr. Helen Fisher in about 15 minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, beware the wild and aggressive raptors, like big birds, you know, that sometimes like to pick up rodents and things on the grounds. This time they're pecking on people's heads. (laughs) I'll tell you the city that's put out a warning about that, okay? That's on the way. And let's go to Doug. Hey, Doug. Whoa. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Clinton, Indiana. So what's going on with your animal? I have the whole team here for you. Uh, I've got a seven-year-old golden retriever that uh, we rescued off the side of the road. At about a year old, he started having seizures. Okay. Uh, So we took him to our vet, and they put him on phenobarbital. It started out a half a grain twice a day, and now he's up to two grains twice a day. And I'd really like to get him off the phenobarbital. I fear for his liver and kidney function, and I was... Trying to find somebody doing research on CBD oil to control the seizures. Mm-hmm. The only thing I've found so far is Colorado State University has been doing a double-blind test, but I haven't been able to find any results beyond that. Let's back up a little bit here, because for those that aren't familiar with seizures and kind of, I, I heard a little groan, I think, from Hal when yeah. he said you know, he developed seizures at one year of age. So golden retrievers are one of the breeds that we see um, epilepsy um, with a genetic component. And a lot of times we suspect it if it's in a young golden retriever. Older golden retrievers over, say, six or seven, there's a whole host of other things that really kind of jump into the radar. But for these younger guys, um, we do recognize that it isn't an inherited problem and uh, breeding they try to stay away from that and try to not perpetuate that so and the important thing is um, seizure control so i would ask you is your dog seizure free right now no 
not totally. He had okay. one about uh, two months ago. It lasted for about a half an hour to an hour before he fully recovered. Okay. So uh, of the various seizure medications out there, phenobarbital is kind of the oldest standby we've used in dogs, but it does have its side effects. So any pet that's on it, you know, you're correct to be worried about, you know, monitoring. So, um, you know, if I am doing regular monitoring on a pet that's been on phenobarbital and we are doing well, we're not seeing liver compromise, then I'm not necessarily panicking to get that pet off of that. It's really if I start to see some unwanted side effects, um, the pet has other health issues that might be kind of taking precedence and we might be desiring to not be on a liver um, metabolized drug um, or um, if we're not completely getting the job done with what we're using. So that's why I asked if he's seizuring because some dogs will have to add in secondary anti-seizure medicines or even tertiary, so a third seizure medicine for some of the refractory cases. Um, so I would check to make sure that your pet's drug level is appropriate and if it's not, we may or may not play with that um, and then certainly look at some of the other anti-seizure your medicines. So the other thing, the big kind of um, question on everybody's mind now is, you know, medical marijuana for pets and where does it play a role? And you're right, there is just now the beginnings of research. So we know what, you know, in people um, that it certainly can help for some situations. The studies that they're looking at in um, animals are, you know, veterinary community is frustrated. We cannot by law prescribe marijuana for pets. We, we'll lose our license. So we cannot tell you you need to do this or that it's safe to do that because they don't, there's not really controlled studies. So Colorado State is doing a study of dogs that are um, refractory to other anti-seizure medicines. So because if your pet is already controlled with a good seizure medicine and is doing well, we're not asking you to take them off of that medicine and then go on to any kind of CBD product. These are actually animals that cannot be controlled with um, conventional therapy. Also in Auburn University in Alabama, they are doing some research as well for medical marijuana for the purposes of um, uh, uncontrolled uh, seizure um, patients as well. So those are things we'll be watching for. Um, the problem is that um, CBD oil and the component CBD actually induces some of the enzymes that affect um, that other drugs in the body utilize to, for their metabolism. So things that might be you know, antihistamines, antibiotics, um, some antifungal drugs, and other anti-seizure drugs are all affected by that. So we really need to have studies to know how does CBD uh, and other components in um, marijuana, how does that affect a pet's other medication? So that's where we really, you know, uh, I think the veterinary community is very hesitant to tell people to use CBD oil because we don't know all how it could interact with other things. And uh, we're anxiously waiting. And if he is having breakthrough seizures, it might be worth a discussion to ask your veterinarian, you know, should we be adding in a, a secondary seizure medication or are we at a, a level where there's a little bit more wiggle room that we can uh, manage his dosage? Sounds like they've certainly kind of upped it. But, um, I, you know, I used to be afraid of adding in secondary anti-seizure medicines, but, um, you know, a lot of pets, it, it is something that is a necessary thing to help manage their seizure conditions. Okay. So, so we'll be we'll be all watching to see yes. what comes out of these studies because you know I, I don't know I mean Hal Judy we get so many calls about yep. people wanting to use um, marijuana for their pets and it's just you know as a profession we can't the AVMA and other uh, veterinary organizations we basically our hands are tied it is illegal under federal law um, and nobody wants to really study until it becomes un un-illegal. <laughs> 
Doug, we thank you for your call. Very interesting call. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie right now. And don't forget her books, Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends. They're great Kindle reads over at Amazon. And we have links from animalradio.pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. If you don't own a home and you have a pet or pets, well, you know that finding a home to rent that accepts pets can be really tough. So there's a new poll of Canadians I want to share with you. It's It's been done on this subject of renting and pets. And I tell you this about this poll in Canada because there's a housing shortage in Canada. So in Canada, it is incredibly difficult to find a home to rent, number one, let alone finding one that you can rent that will allow your pets. So according to this poll, 63% of Canadians felt that landlords should have the right to refuse to rent to pet owners compared to 36% who felt that landlords should not be able to deny a tenant's pets. Of course, opinions varied between homeowners and tenants, meaning if you already had your home or if you just owned property and rented it out to people. The majority of support, though, comes from those who already own property, be it homeowners or landlords themselves. 76% of landlords, however, support their right to refuse renting to pet owners. But I got to tell you, it's not all bad if you ever are going to be living in Canada. Ontario, Canada is the only province up there that doesn't allow landlords to prohibit renters from getting a pet once they've already moved into the apartment or house, rental property. So I bet a lot of people try that. Police in Connecticut are warning people there to be on the lookout for this aggressive hawk. That's right, a bird, a hawk, that has attacked at least one person's head, if you can imagine. It happened in the Connecticut town of Fairfield, where police and animal control officers are now on the lookout for this aggressive raptor. They are hoping to capture it and then relocate the hawk away from where any people are too close by. The state's Department of Wildlife is also working on this case, so it's pretty serious up there. And they've issued a warning saying they recommend that if you're going outside with small pets, or children and you see a hawk that you come inside immediately bring the pets and children with you so that they're not attacked this whole ordeal began when a woman was out doing yard work and the hawk approached her from behind no less and attacked her head police say they've also interviewed the woman's neighbors who said that yes the neighbors too have heard of other similar incidents in their area And for pet lovers who have the cash to spare, because I think this is kind of expensive, some are spending a lot of money at a New York City Soho boutique to have their pet's likeness embroidered on shirts and sweaters, hoodies, anything that allows them to have a unique wearable 
pet portrait, if you will. The design starts at 500 bucks, and they can cost oh, even over 1000 depending on what you get, the size and extra embellishments that are, can be included. First, the artist make an illustration on a computer based on several photos of the pet that the owner gives them. And then using embroidery software, they create a pattern. The whole process takes one, maybe two weeks, and then when they're done, the customer also gets the sample that they did, so that embroidery can hang on the wall. And, of course, the more you order, the cheaper it is, and duplicates of the embroidered portrait can be put on additional items from the shop. You have to buy the article of clothing from the shop for just $150 each. So... Is that a lot or is that just me? Uh, well, for some people, that's like a drop in the bucket. But for me, that's a lot of money. For that's me. a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it would be an expensive gift, right? Unless it were your child's wedding or your parents for Christmas or something. I don't know. It's good to I know. I guess not about, a child's yeah. wedding. What do I know about kids, huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just anti-kid today. I'm sorry about that. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio, and I I was explaining earlier how on occasion where I got to pet set a dog and take it to the park, one of my neighbor's dogs, I found out that the women just kept coming over. They would ask, oh, what kind of dog? How old is that dog? Can what's I, his name? Can I, what's his name? Can I pet the dog? And it was a great way for me to uh, meet ladies. And Judy has told me stories. When you were in the dating scene, uh-huh. you would actually bring your cats out to well, sort of mingle with the date to see if Yeah, I'd bring were... my date over to the house. Okay. And if my cat liked them, then I knew that they were good. If my cat looked at him and took off running, then, then that... That was I, a deal was, breaker? There was no second dates. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah, I you're just, a great judge of they character. They are, you know, and plus I don't want somebody, you know, hanging around that my cat doesn't like, but like you say, they're a good judge of character. And it turns out my cat was right every time. I wasn't. I didn't know how to pick them, <laughs> but my cat sure did. And I bet our next guest will agree wholeheartedly, Dr. Helen Fisher. She's the Senior Research Fellow at the Kinsey Institute. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. So tell us about the research you found out about how people are more attractive when they have a pet with them. Well, I did a study with Match.com. I'm their chief scientific advisor, and we we polled about 1,200 people who did have animals, cats and dogs, and we wanted to know how they felt about other people. And just like uh, has just been said, um, women really are attracted to uh, men who have a pet, particularly a dog, much more of a dog than a cat. And it is just like you said, it's chick bait. I mean, women want to know. And it's actually a very honest signal. I mean, a man who has a dog um, is able to follow a schedule, uh, is able to play with uh, an individual, is, is reliable. I mean, they've got to show up at a certain hour to feed the dog. If they go away for the weekend, they've got to make arrangements for the dog. I mean, uh, it's a real commitment. You've got to take it to the dog hospital uh, when it gets sick, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a very honest signal in, in that men send to women 
when um, uh, saying, listen, I'm, I'm not only here and I'm approachable. you got an easy way to approach me. Just come up and talk to my dog. Um, but also that uh, I'm a caring person, a nurturing person, a person who can take responsibility for a very vital living creature and follow the schedules and, and give it the love and the care that it needs. So it's a very honest signal for mate choice. Now, we're talking about this uh, in respects to dating and uh, attraction between the sexes here, but it's also very useful in other ways, like panhandling. We'll see panhandlers that are <laughs> that have a dog with them seem to get more money, don't they? Yes, that's right. And, I, and it's because, once again, I guess even the panhandler might be not have any money, but obviously has enough caring to take care of an animal, and perhaps people who give money to a panhandler hope that they're also giving it to the dog. So, uh, and another thing is, uh, you know, if a man is with a dog, uh, it's easier for him to uh, uh, get a woman's telephone number. So it's chick bait on on a big level. And I think for very clear reasons, it's a very honest signal. I mean, you know, both men and women are constantly having to send signals of who they are uh, in order to attract the attention of the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever. And um, and this is an honest signal. Uh, so many questions, so little time. Okay. <laughs> if I have a picture of me with a cat or a picture of me with a dog, what is going to be more appealing, do you think? Very definitely the dog. Um, cats are not anywhere near as likely to be used as what we call a social tool. Um, <laughs> and it's because, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, they... They don't always come when you call. Uh, they don't uh, chase after a ball. You don't take them to the park and play with them. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to advertise with a cat. Uh, uh, they're nowhere near as um, willing to, you know, be man's kind's best friend. Whereas dogs, you can take them to the park. You can go and play games with them. You know, you can really show show them off in all kinds of places, just like, your, uh, you know, as was just said, I mean, uh, you know, she needed to bring a, a men to her house to show her the cat, uh, to show them the cat, whereas you don't have to have, bring people to the house to show them a dog. You can walk the dog in many ways, play with the dog, even meet, you know, even meet people uh, certainly just on the street as you're walking along. So a dog is much more um, uh, efficient uh, uh, social tool for the pickup. Wow, and uh, but you see, this, a couple of the ladies in the studio are shaking their head in disagreement here. If I see a big guy, bur- big burly guy with a cat, a little, especially a kitten, it just melts my heart. <laughs> oh my! Gosh. Well, I think it would melt anybody's heart, but it's hard to carry kittens around. I mean, you can't put it on a leash and walk it every night at, at, at nine p.m. in the park and have it play with all the other cats. I mean, cats don't do that. I happen to love cats myself, so I'm all in sympathy for that. But the bottom line is, it's not as good as a social tool. Now, the, I guess cat people are more introverts because they're sitting home watching cat videos because you can't you can't get your cat out to the dog park, so you have to watch videos of other cats online. Well, the other thing is, I'm a, I'm a person who travels absolutely constantly, and uh, I can leave a cat at home, uh, and the cat will fend for itself really quite happily. Uh, but a dog, you've really got to be around. You've got to, you know, be almost a constant. And by the way, you know, one thing that's interesting is in these days. Cats and dogs are becoming family members. Uh, you know, apparently the amount of uh, cat food, dog food, pet care, and better food, better living inside is more and more increasing. You know, I'm an anthropologist, and in a lot of cultures, a dog is really disregarded as uh, some 
a, an animal that stays outside and is used only for protection and hunting. We are with anthropologist Dr. Helen Fisher. She says hanging out at the park with your dog will help you meet women. But does it work the other way around? We'll find out next. This is Animal Radio, baby. In today's automotive news, on the back of the successful launch of Hyundai's compact SUV, the Kona, comes the Kona Electric, with segment leading 250 miles of estimated range on electricity alone. It has a bold, fresh fascia. The Kona has a high-efficiency 201-horsepower electric powertrain, a standard floating touchscreen with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto capabilities, and Hyundai's SmartSense forward collision avoidance assistant. For more, go to ourautoexpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. My Chrysler Pacifica is totally loaded. It is stow-and-go seating, the available Uconnect theater, and listen to these speakers. Hey, Mom, what was that song? Huh? What song? Chrysler Pacifica. It's loaded with attitude. Chrysler is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Every day, you strive for faster, easier, and less messy. So wouldn't you want the same experience for your dog? Bissell understands the challenges of bathing your furry friend and the even bigger mess it can create. The Bissell Bark Bath is an all-in-one system for pet parents, eliminating the frustrations and messy cleanup that is inevitable when washing your four-legged family members. Bathing your dog is faster, easier, and less messy with the Bissell Bark Bath. Visit GetBarkBath.com to learn more. Hi, it's Alec Cable with today's dog tip. So you've done your homework, you're ready to make an incredible commitment and get yourself a puppy. You know the responsibility you're taking on and you've thought long and hard about what kind of puppy you want and how best to pick him or her out. Or did you? When I met my lady, my last dog was a well-behaved, well-socialized, grown adult. He passed and she wanted a puppy. I tried to prepare her for the storm that was coming. She said she understood and so a very lucky stroke. My neighbors got together, a lab and a shepherd, and they had puppies. Now this was great because it enabled me to do some incredible preparation and homework. Firstly, I could observe the puppies as often as I wanted, and when they got older, I could take a couple at a time and visit my backyard. So let's talk about picking out puppies. You know when you go to the supermarket, you just don't pick up any cucumber and stick it in your cart. No, it's gotta be a beautiful green cucumber. Crisp and ripe. Many people just pick out puppies or dogs just based on how they look. But shouldn't you ask yourself what personality traits you'd most like to see in a puppy? And whether or not you want a smart dog. The best way to gauge a puppy's intelligence is to observe him. Puppies have very short attention spans. They can't focus very long on anything. Kind of like guys when you're talking about your relationship. They're on to the next thing before you can snap your finger. So if you observe a puppy that can focus for 10-15 seconds on an object or anything, that's a great sign of intelligence. Also, watch how the puppy interacts with the other puppies. Does he leave the pack occasionally, go off on his own to explore? Or does he always cling tightly to the group? When he plays, is he dominant or is he submissive? And watch how his mother corrects him when she doesn't like the behavior. Usually grabbing him by the neck with her teeth or pushing them down to the ground. That's another important thing to observe, how a mother corrects bad behavior in her pups. You're going to be doing a lot of correcting when you bring your puppy home. Okay, so to be prepared for your first night, your dog is going to wail and whine all night long. My wife wanted me to return him the next day. He's away from his mother and his litter mates for the first time. He's scared. He's in a strange environment and he's calling out to them and more than likely he'll do it for a week or two. Do yourself a favor and get a crate and we'll be talking about crate and potty training next time. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. 
It's Animal Radio. We are with Dr. Helen Fisher. She's a senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. She's done a little bit of research about how attractive you are with a dog and without a dog. I thought it was very interesting when you said that, you know, your cat was better than you were at, ju- at, at judging people. Um, and it's important to watch how somebody responds to your pet because now this is another really, you know, part of the family. And if a, a new family member can't get along with your animals, there's going to be a problem. Mm. Now, well, I have a question. What about, like, does it matter where you get your pet from? Do, do you get any extra bonus for, say, finding a dog on the street versus, you know, having your neighbor's litter get a puppy and you, and you buy a puppy off of them? Does it matter? Yeah, I mean, I, did, I haven't studied that, but I would certainly, as an anthropologist, think that the more altruistic you the signal you can send, the more effective the signal will be. So um, probably if you can, you know, pick the dog up from the pound, it gives you some extra, uh, you know, extra mate, uh, mate value. So we're thinking, <laughs> we're thinking mutt over purebred is what you're saying. I, I'm yeah, just wondering no, if yeah, people are going to want a, 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 pure, a purebred because they're, they're in the business of showing animals. or You know, I mean, there's going to be different kinds of pet owners. There's going to be some that want to show them off and there's some that are going to want to save stray animals. One thing that's very interesting is that when you interact with a dog, um, apparently it, um, it escalates uh, oxytocin activity in mm. the brain. And oxytocin is linked with feelings of attachment and calm. And so a person who gets a dog or, or, or even a cat who's probably constantly stroking that animal is going to probably also have a, a sort of a global feeling of, uh, of calm uh, which is uh, an attachment, which is also very, uh, very effective. But one thing that's interesting that we found in our study at Match.com was that men with a dog really attract women, but women with a dog uh, don't get quite the same response from men. And I think the reason is that, you know, for millions of years, women have really looked for a partner to help them raise their babies. And a dog with a man is really a signal that he can take care of something that is not terribly, is more helpless and, and, and needs their care. Whereas men for millions of years really needed a woman who could bear them healthy babies. They can do that by just looking at a woman and talking to a woman. They don't really need to see her with a dog. So uh, dogs are much more effective as tick bait for men than, uh, than for women. Yeah, this is true. (laughs) Oh, you want to go out? Yes. (laughs) This is all amazing and and great. I'm glad you're really validating something that I've known for a long time. Dr. Helen Fisher, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, and happy days. I didn't get to tell you guys... um... But I, I just was reminded, I'm, I've been used to having her here, but we adopted Maggie. It's official. Yeah. The papers are official. Now, was so, Maggie supposed to find the home? Foster failure. Is this a fo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is this a foster failure? We have been fostering Maggie since November. You know, for one reason or another, things just haven't worked out with her, and through no fault of her own. Um, so I just, I can't take it anymore. I, I love her. She plays great with Tater. There's there's no reason for her not to be a part of our family. So, yeah. How many do you have now? Two bulldogs and Tater. Well, so awesome. Roro, Maggie, and Tater. I think foster, Congratulations. Fa- foster yeah. failures are Thank very you. attractive. <laughs> <laughs> they are.
Okay, it's time for us to get on out of here. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, you're just saying, ah, I need that Animal Radio fix. I need it now. Head on over to AnimalRadio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And there you go. You'll be able to ask your questions right from the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Until next week. This is Animal Radio Network.